Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills Podcast. Dag Heward Mills Podcast is a broadcast outreach of Dag Heward Mills Ministries, which has the duty to bring you the very best from the vast teaching archive of healing evangelist, best-selling author, and megachurch pastor, Dag Heward Mills. This Monday, Bishop Dag will continue to teach us about the importance of reciprocating God's great love towards us, his children, whilst also helping us to recognize the burdensome nature of love. In today's message, Bishop Dag will teach you seven characteristics of ugliness and the things that make you unattractive spiritually. You will also discover practical steps on how you can also walk in humility and love in order to avoid becoming proud. So allow today's message to help you understand the relationship between love and humility. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. You may be seated. What a blessing. Amen. How many are glad to be in the presence of the Lord? Amen. God is blessing us every day. Hallelujah. And uh, I believe God is changing you by his spirit. Hallelujah. How many believe that you must fulfill your divine destiny and that divine destiny all right is going to be redirected by the holy spirit first samuel chapter 10 i just want us to pray for a short for a few minutes for the holy spirit in first samuel chapter 10 1 Samuel chapter 10. God is rebranding your destiny. Now, the Bible says, and then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it on his head. And kissed him and said, is it not because, all right, is it not because the Lord has anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Amen. So, when thou art departed from me today, Thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulchre in the border of Benjamin. And they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to find, uh, to seek, are found. And lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses and sorroweth for thee. So when you are anointed, by the Holy Spirit. Do you have anointing oil? You always need to have anointing oil somewhere. Because we are having an anointing service. And it said that you will find what you are looking for. 
You see, I think that the connection between the human world, the physical world, and the spirit world is, exists, but it is difficult for us to imagine the other world. And yesterday, I was reading a book by Rejoiner, and he said that the other world is the real world. This world is the artificial world made of like the flesh and the dust. Uh, this is not the real world. Yeah. And, 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 and it must be because God himself is a spirit. God is not flesh and dust. So, and that's what the Bible says. And he became flesh. How does he say it? The word became flesh. How do you sing it in tree? There's a song, he became flesh, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway. So, but that was a very strange thing for God to become flesh. Because God is real. And the real world is the spirit world. Yeah. In, in 50 years from now, ma'am, most of us will not even be here. I mean, we are too flimsy and transient. Is it not true? Yeah. So, when the spirit comes on humans, things change, but it's always where we are trying to find how do you know when the spirit comes? on a person. How do you know that there is a spirit there? How do you know which spirits are here? One time I saw a man of God on a television or whatever and he said there are six angels here. Yes. Now there are people like that. Their eyes are open and they can see things standing around. Even you sometimes, you sometimes sense that there's something present. Yeah. You know, but it's like you are not sure what, what it is. Are you imagining? So one of the things that we always do is you just look at somebody in the Bible upon whom the Holy Spirit came. And then what happens to the person? You deduce that when the Spirit comes on a physical person, these are the things that happen. And then you use that to guide you. So when the Spirit came on Saul, Saul, the first thing was that you will find two men. And so after that, when the spirit is upon you and leading you, the accidents and the coincidence are no more coincidence. But the spirit is actually leading you. Because how can you say you will find two men and what you are looking for, you find it, the asses that are missing. So the whole thing is no more natural. So when the spirit is leading you, meet the right lady. You meet the right, right, right man. Those people are in your life. Many times when the spirit is leading you, the answer to your prayer is, is walking around. It's around somewhere. Yes. So when Samuel, the spirit came on, saw, ha, he was ready. 
And he said, then thou shalt go forward from thence. Progress. In verse 3, thou shalt do what? Go forward. So the Holy Spirit making you go forward. This is what we are praying for. Just for a few minutes, you know, you'll find out that we always need the Holy Spirit because he's bringing the supernatural element to our lives. Amen. Beginning from today, you are moving forward only. Anything that is backward is ending today in Jesus' name. And there shall meet the three men going up to God. Ah, You will meet men going to God. You know, when God blessed me and put his anointing on me, I was in Suhum in 1988 in the hospital. I was um, working there as a medical student in my final year. And then I had an experience and in the experience I heard a voice the Holy Spirit came on me I felt the Spirit entering me the Spirit entered into me we are having a conference called the Spirit entered into me conference (laughs) the Spirit entered into me and then I heard a voice and the voice said from today you can teach now Throughout that time or after that, then I began to meet people going up to God. He said, you meet three men going to God. Watch out for the three men who are going up to God. Watch out for the men who are going towards God, who God makes you meet. Are you with me? Yes, they are all part of your destiny. You know, since Yongicho passed away, his funeral was on fr- uh, Friday, but in Korea, they are ahead of us, so it was in the night. It was uh, Saturday, but it was Friday night for us. And I was watching. And I saw, you know, I noticed that a lot of people have sent me condolences. Although my biological father has died. So I want to send my condolences. I heard that Yongicho has died. And, and you see, it is real. I can mention 25 things that I do, I am, have seen before, only because I met him. Only because I met him. And how did I meet him? Somebody sent a pack of tapes by Yongicho, and I've never listened to him preaching. But I, when I listened to a little, and I felt that this man is going up to God. I still don't know who sent the tapes to me. That's why I always encourage you, if you have a relative or a friend who is a pastor, give them gifts of books, messages, tapes, introduce them. Because once the Spirit is upon a person, You meet people going up to God. You are going to meet people going to God in your life. Amen. And then he says, and they will salute thee and give thee two loaves of bread. Now, they will salute you. Salutations 
is a sign of acknowledgement. You see, there comes a time that even those who reject you are forced to acknowledge that if at all you exist. Even if they don't want to say you are good or they don't want to praise you, they would say, oh, is there. If you are talking of churches, is there. If you are talking about this, is there. This is, yes. Even if they don't want to acknowledge, they will acknowledge that you exist. Some of you walk to church today, nobody minded you. It's like you are nobody. You just came there, sit here, sit here. But a day will come. They will salute you. They will acknowledge you. The prophecy you believe is the one that is going to happen. Yes. In Jesus' name. Yeah. I used to drive in Accra and you see, policeman would stop. Hey, Obroni! Is that how you drive in your country? Yes. But today when they see me, they say, oh, everything is okay. okay. Proceed. Yes. The anointing will make a difference and you, they shall salute thee. They shall salute you. Anyone who feels you have no respect. Eh? Like no one seems, no, like not that no one seems to respect, like there's nothing respectful about you. Or there's nothing great that anybody even acknowledges you. When the spirit comes upon you, they shall salute thee. Receive it. Let me hear your loudest amen. You know, when I was working at Kolebu, the nurses would not even stand up when you come there. A doctor who has been to medical school for seven years. <laughs> they would not even go, it's like, who are you? Every respect I've received has come through God. I'm telling you, every respect I've received in my life has come through God. It has not come through any other way. When I went to Korea, and there I was met, I met with a chauffeur with a team come to meet me with a placard with my name on it in Seoul, Korea. Dr. Hayward Mills, they, they call me Dr. Mills. You are welcome. And they, they escort me and carry me in a type of Korean type of bands. <laughs> you know, every car is in Korea, but the Korean type. They don't bother to import the, the things. Yes. With everything. And drive me for two hours with a chauffeur, just me and my driver or whoever I'm, whoever I'm with. Yeah to the downtown Hilton Hotel. Oh, yes. Made of only glass. <laughs> You'll be there soon. But it is not from my academic qualifications or from my family. It only has to do with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. They shall salute thee. Yes.
different countries I've seen being saluted. Salute. They shall salute thee. Yes. Trust me. I'm telling you. It is God is worth following. By the way, the air conditioners are there. Look, you can see. They are coming. So those who are feeling hot, soon you'll be feeling cool. The prophecy you believe is the one that you see. <laughs> Do you like the Holy Spirit? Hey. For me, I tell you, the Holy Spirit is everything. They will salute thee. And then, verse 5, and after you shall come to the hill of God. The hill of God is a very important hill. Amen. And then you meet a company of prophets. How many want to meet a company of prophets? That's your new company. You used to be with gangs. You used to be among the wild people. You wanted to be wild. Wilder than wild. Huh? How many have been wild before? If you've been wild before, raise your hand. Hmm. And when you are among wild people, the wilder you are, the greater you are. Is it not true? If they are killing, if you can kill people, if they fight, you can fight. They drink, you can drink more. You put a bottle of whiskey and you drink all as if you are drinking Coke. If it's smoking, anything, you are able to be high and return. Wow. But your company has changed because of the Holy Spirit. Now the people that you are associated with are how long can you pray? How long can you pray? Which, which messages have you listened to? What have you soaked in? What camps have you listened to? What books are you reading? What visions have you had? Yes. Because the Holy Spirit has changed your company. You used to count who they ride on. Like you are talking about a girl who is passing by. A lady is passing by and saying, be who they ride on. These are the questions you are asking. Instead of asking that, what type of anointing is it? Is it a prophetic anointing or an apostolic anointing? Look at the question that you used to ask. God has forgiven you. (laughs) How many want the Holy Spirit? Yes. And finally, in verse 6, and the Spirit of the Lord shall come upon thee and thou shalt prophesy. That means you preach. As for preaching, it goes with the Holy Spirit. Never say you have the Holy Spirit if you are not preaching or sharing the word of God. Amen. Amen. And you shall be turned into another man. Your destiny is being rebranded today. I said your future is being redirected today. Everything about you is being remodeled. You shall be turned 
turned, turned from a thief, a thief to an honest person by the Holy Spirit. Every standing place. I want you to just forget about the person next door. Of course, keep your phone and anything that can be lost whilst your eyes are closed. Hold it tight as if you are pregnant. And lift your hand up and pray to God for a moment. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Lift your hands, holy hands. Mana kabarandola ma, shabama, sadola makaba. Oh God, oh God. We pray that all these prophecies will come to pass practically in our lives. We pray that all these predictions will come to pass practically in our lives. We lift up our holy hands and we call on you, Father. In the name Jesus said, Ask for the Holy Spirit. Lift your holy hands, everyone. Is it not because the Lord has anointed the Monsinta Comaria Veria Sosalaria, Lo Sembre Veria Sonda Lababa, Paradia Sosambra Via Ketanda Lamaya. We pray for the Holy Spirit, the anointing, to come upon us, Lord. Menfadia so paraviste, Loriandaka, Sambri Vesto, Luce, Sefaridia Silama, Mandaka Savara Vida Ghetto Lababa, Paradeverene Mokoshan de Remene, Mensem Paravisto, Remene Keseridia. Rosa Farie, Loco Shandalama, Maradiga Verena Vestulamaya. Pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Marida Vesiela, Oh Yamasa. Yes, 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 yes. Loke Taradabo Faciende Lemene. Menjim Frasto, Kenamufa, Leviste, Erideso, Ramabara Via de Casonda Ramaya, Ayo Sadia, Delimo, Bangale, Sengalon, Vinene, Sandalon, Berenevisto, Morigeste, Rabieste, yes, Ekerebovo Sandalabo Sandalabada, Rameneo, Ikefaradivosto, Monterebe, Verebo, Sandalama.
wherever you are watching, by television, by YouTube, by Facebook, pray for the Holy Spirit. Ayala 
How many want a song that will help you to remember the Holy Spirit is in front of you, Holy Spirit is beside you, and the Holy Spirit is behind you, and is going to go with you all the way. All right? So, let's go. I need you to stand right here. Yes? How, do we have the words? This word, the screen man, you have to see me after church. It's serious. It's terrible. That, that's good. Do we have the word? Yes. Yeah. Ah, okay. We've got a song right here. So, let's learn new songs. Amen. We'll be learning a lot of new songs. Okay. Go before as we leave this we, place. We are singing the as we leave this place. It's a good song also to leave when we are going home. All right. Ready, go. As we leave this place, fill us with your love and grace that we may be Behind 
seated It's time to give an offering Amen How, how many of us want God to be involved in our finances? Only six people. The rest of you want to struggle on your own. Hallelujah. What a blessing. Amen. Now, what does it mean to rob God? What does it mean to rob God? In Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? All right? Yet you have robbed me. Now, um, Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Amen. Now, You cannot steal something that does not belong to someone. It has to belong to somebody before you can call it stealing. If I pass by and I pick something from the floor, you can't accuse me of stealing unless you can prove that it's it's yours. You get what I'm saying? Yes. So, when God says you have robbed me, you must have taken something from him. Alright? But, most of us don't see it that way because it's more like as though the church or the pastor is rather robbing you. (laughs) But what I want you to know is that God considers the type as his. So that's what Leviticus 27 and verse 30 says. All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed or of the fruit, that is whether it is developing or it has borne fruit, is the Lord's. It is his. It will never come into question about you stealing unless it is his. He claims it as his. God claims 10% of what you have as his. And really, all of what you have is his. All. There is nothing you can ever have unless you, uh, he allows you to have it. So when he says, the tithe is the Lord, I can assure you that it is not only the tithe which is the Lord. Everything you have it's the Lord's, if you want to be very honest with yourself. So, you make yourself a thief, do you see, 
when you take his tithe, which is, so it, it, the money that you have, he's calculated with it. <laughs> like God, God knows your account. How many think that he knows what you have? He knows every. He can even tell you. There are some prophets who can even tell you your bank account number. How much more God telling you what you have? And he says that the tithe is the Lord. That is whether it's the part you're going to invest or the part that, which is the seed or the part that has come, the fruit of it. It is his. It is his possession. You touch it, you are touching something that belongs to him and he calls you a thief. That's serious. Huh? Or you're not getting the revelation. That is why non-payment uh, of tithe is considered as robbery because he considers it at his. So if you are walking by and you see some money on the floor which has been given in the offering and it fell out, you should say, hey, God's money. Now, powerful people, the Bible says, let him that stole steal no more. Ephesians 4 and 28. Let him that stole steal no more. Don't steal anymore from today. Everybody here, stop stealing. If you are watching, stop stealing God's money. You know, many people don't know that this is one of the bases of qualifications for God to trust you with a lot of money. Yeah. Because you see, if you don't steal in an invisible way, when no one sees, then you can be trusted. Because there's a lot of opportunities, even in the church, to steal things that no one will know either it came or it went. You can steal. Because in every system, you can steal. The government, a company, work. That's why there's always investigations and things like that going on. Because there are, there are, there are always loopholes and opportunities. Do you see? So, why would God decide to trust you when he gave you something, you're just watching your behavior with that little thing that he gave you. Are you with me? Yeah. I remember one of the most significant tithes I ever paid in my whole life was in 1983. Yeah. I was in London and I was very, very hungry. Not angry, hungry. Pray that you never be hungry in in London. (laughs) And I was very, 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 very poor and broke. And I got a letter. And the letter was 10 pounds. Yes. 10 pounds. It was like receiving good news from a far country. I was really 
blessed. Now, to tithe the 10 pounds, not to give the 10 pounds, to pay the tithe on the 10 pounds, I'm telling you, it, as I was standing here and I just remembered, it's 1983, it's a long time ago, but I remember. Because you also, also have times you remember that certain giving, it cost you something. Yeah. I remember clearly. Oh, yes. And I remember that whatever it was, whether giving the 10 pounds or part of the 10, because it was, it was the percentage of the 10 pounds. And I remember doing what I had to do and continuing in my deep poverty. <laughs> and I know you don't believe or understand what I'm saying, but I don't really care. Are you with me? Yeah. God will now decide, okay, I can trust you because you don't steal for me even when people don't know. My, my, my money, my house, the, the money in my house is safe with you. You wouldn't dare to take even five pounds. It's like Joseph. Even though it was Potiphar's wife herself who was asking for that favor. And it was like Potiphar would not know because it would have gone against Potiphar's wife too. Do you see? He said, no, I can't do that. It's wickedness. I cannot do that. I cannot do that. I cannot do that. I cannot. I cannot. It is wickedness. Because I've been trusted. And that is how it is when you are trusted with money for the church or for God. I cannot do that. I cannot take it. I cannot use it. I cannot misdirect it. I cannot. It cannot be. Let him that stole steal no more. And it starts with tithing. Because if God blesses you and all that he's given you, to give him the tenth is a problem. You know, one day I spoke to a brother. He told me, do you know how much I earn? How, how I should pay tithes. And he told me, I, my, I, my salary or I earn in dollars. I think dollars were not so common in those days. <laughs> you know, in those days, if you were found with dollars, not, it wasn't so long ago, but it was like, if you are found with dollars, it's like it's something wrong. Eh? Let him that stole steal no more. Nobody will trust you. If they find that, oh, you, t- you pilfer. And let me tell you something. Great people or rich people or important people or bo- big people, I don't know what word to use. Choose one. When you steal from them, it's not always that they confront you. You know, when my father was alive, there was a man who used to steal his things. And I thought that he would sack the man. And then I myself saw that the guy was stealing. And I think I even told my father, this is 
what he's taking, he was taking something. He never addressed it to my knowledge or sacked the person. I mean, the person was a real thief. He stayed with him till he died. So it's not every time you steal that they will hold you. You'll be stealing and they've seen you. And in, 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 in these airports and things, they watch you. Sometimes they know you are carrying drugs. They know who you are. They know what you are doing. And they watch you because they are trying to watch you for some time to get you well. So tell your neighbor you've been stealing God's money and God has been monitoring you for some time. You come into church and go out with God's money in your pocket. Hey! The Bible says the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet full. When it is full, God may react. One day I saw a brother stealing from me. I never said anything to him. I had meetings with him. Maybe I would just look at him and say, hey, you are a thief. <laughs> Till the day that I took him on, he was surprised. Yeah. So the fact that you've been coming home to church and going home successfully, do you see? Don't think that there are certain people when you steal from them, they just watch you. One day, a pastor, a visiting pastor, came to a church where he was visiting and to preach. And then you know how it is. They sent some people in who have nice cars to pick him from the airport. And we are having a conference, Spirit Entered Into Me conference. So, we'll be asking those of you with nice cars to please help us to pick some people. Yeah. But anyway, so this guy went to pick the guy from the airport. So, as he was going, some people, when you pick, they will talk with you. And this was one of them. He started talking. How, how long have you been in the church? Oh, okay. What do you do in the church? I said, oh, okay. Then he asked, do you pay tithes? And the guy said, oh, I have paid tithes before, but you know, it's not always. It's not always. <laughs> the visiting pastor said, stop the car. Stop the car. He said, I need to get out. It's a true story. He said, I need to get out because I don't know what can happen to you. I'm in a dangerous car. There's a curse, there's a curse here and I don't want to be in an accursed car. So, brothers and sisters, no more stealing from today. You are walking in the blessing. There will be no thieves in heaven. How many want to go to heaven? And don't steal your tithe anymore. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hosea chapter 4 verse 1 Listen to the word of the Lord O sons of Israel 
For the Lord has a case. Eh? NASB. The Lord has a case. A case against the inhabitants of the land. He has a case against the inhabitants of the land. Because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. God has a case. Because there is stealing. Your case is over today. There will be no more stealing. How many want to be faithful tithe payers for the rest of your life? It says the tithe is the Lord's. Like it is his. He claims it. He sees what you are spending. He sees it as his. You send somebody to, to uh, buy something. You give him the money. On his way back, he stops to buy KFC with your change. Like, yeah, he's not come back. He, he buy KFC for himself and one for the Uber driver or whoever with your money. So when he comes, he says, oh, where is the change? Oh, it's this, but we, we had some expenses on those. What expenses? Oh, he bought food for, and then he saw another first lover at the KFC and he also bought one for the person. Three buckets. <laughs> with somebody's money. And you are so confident. Some of you, you confidently go and buy shoes. And God is looking at you. This shoe is my money that you are using to buy these shoes. Today marks the end of all stealing in your life. In Jesus name. Everybody take out your tithes. Take your offerings. Take whatever gifts you've brought to the Lord. To the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. And. God is going to bless you mightily. God is going to bless you mightily. Mightily. Amen. You are going to experience grace on your life. Take your tithes. Now, tell your neighbor, I won't chew the tithe again. I won't chew the tithe again. God is setting me free. I'm going to get myself a blessing. He says, bring ye the tithe and I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. So take out your tithe, offerings, everything you have, first offering, second offering, everything combined. And let's give what generous gift you have for the Lord. And sometimes, I don't know, but I do that. Sometimes, have you realized that sometimes you are not sure whether you chop some of your tithe? The way to overcome that is to sometimes you give more than say, Lord, just in case there's been some chopping somewhere, I just want to pay this one to cover all balances and things that I may owe you. I do that. Have mercy on me, I will pay the all. All right? So you are blessed. Father, thank you as we receive and we give this offering right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you alive? Are you alive? Are you awake? 
Are you expectant? Do you feel the energy in the room? Are you expecting something from God today? Are you expecting God to speak to you? There are some people still sitting down at the back. I'm not sure what disease it is. We lay hands on you and we command that spirit to come out in Jesus' name. It's time for the word of God. Oh. The Bible says, the Bible says, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And today the word of God is prevailing over every problem in your life, every weakness in your life, every empty place in your life. The word of God is growing mightily and it is prevailing. Are you alive? You know, I had a testimony from somebody in our church two weeks ago. He came to see me and he was talking to me and he has a a, a particular personal problem, which I don't want to mention in the mic. And then I asked him, how is the problem? He said, I've stopped. Then I asked him, what do you mean you stopped? It's It's been happening for four years. I said, what do you mean you stop? Then he said, I don't know. I just, I started listening to messages. And as I said, I don't even know what topic I'm listening to. I'm just listening to preaching. He said, when I come on Sunday, I stop sitting at the back. And I started sitting on the front row. And I just, I just keep listening to the word of God. You see, what it is, is that the Bible says that the word of God is like a seed. It's very small. But the Bible says, when it grows, when it grows... It's the greatest tree. And that's what the Bible says. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So I came to announce to you that this afternoon, somebody's life is changing. This afternoon, somebody's destiny is being turned around. What you cannot overcome yourself. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And today our prophet is in church. The Holy Spirit is in church. Some angels are in church. And best of all, you are in church. And nothing is impossible this afternoon. There's nothing that's too hard this afternoon. There's no miracle that is too hard. There's no prayer that's not going to be answered in the house of God. Come on, lift your voice and sing with me that nothing is impossible. I can't hear you. Nothing is impossible. is impossible. Welcome 
anyone else. Come on, give God praise. Father, thank you for the great opportunity that we have today. We are so blessed to be in your presence. Thank you for guiding us, blessing us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The burden of love. Part number what? Four. <laughs> okay. Now, love is a burden. And it is a burden because it is a burden because um, there are many things and responsibilities associated with love that is important for you and I to understand. And so when somebody says, I love you, Oh, you got to think about it very carefully because you have the burden of thanksgiving. Burden to say thank you for your love. You have the burden of sacrificial love, which is to sacrifice. If somebody has sacrificed, he has given up his name to you to use it as your name. <laughs> you have to pay back sacrifice by also giving your life hmm? you are now Mrs. whatever payback the burden of love is the burden of reciprocation Amen. Reciprocation. Reciprocation. So, you need to reciprocate love. Sometimes, people don't want to receive love because this love has a meaning. And I'm going to have to reciprocate. Somebody said, no dinner is free. If you see Kokodene jumping on the green grass in the afternoon, he must have seen something. Do you understand that? Kokodene is a frog. So when you see a frog jumping on the grass in the afternoon, there must be something that he has seen. So that is why they say that no dinner is free. So those of you sisters who say somebody is He's just calling to just chat with you and keep you company. It's not free. That chat is not free. After the chat, you have to pay. You have to pay with your flesh. Somebody is taking you out for dinner. 
Just you and him. He's not your beloved. He's not your anything. He said, oh, he's just a nice guy. And he just, he's just taking me for, for lunch. He's, just a, he's a thoughtful person. I mean, he realized that I hadn't eaten the whole day, so he said we should go for, for lunch. He's a fatherly figure. He's even a reverend in his church. No. <laughs> One day a sister went for lunch. When she went, she ordered chicken. She ordered salad. She ordered pork. She ordered potatoes. She ordered rice. Charlie, she I mean she ordered she she ordered dessert also. So when they finished eating, just she and a man. The man said, This restaurant, we have their rooms upstairs. So he, he needs her to go. They have to go to the room. Then she realized that she was hot. So she told the man that, Oh, my visitor has come. So the man said, what, what, what visitor? He said, oh, my monthly visitor has come. The man said, your visitor has come. I see. He said, I'm going to take, pick something from the car. So he went downstairs, went to the car park. He sat in the car, parked the car. He said, your visitor has come. Pay the bill. So he drove off and the girl was hot. She didn't have money to pay the restaurant. But she, see, because no dinner is free. The love that the man is showing you is a burden. You can't go for dinner with men that you are not married to and expect just, it's just dinner. I mean, whatever. You cannot. Tell your neighbor, neighboring small girl sister that, hey! Eat at home. Get some Gary. Get some Shito. Huh? Mix, mix something. Are you there or you are leaving? Tell your, tell them, ask the neighboring sister whether have you been going for sad dinners? Have you been going for sad dinners? Tell the person it's a bad habit if that is what you have learned how to do. It's a bad habit. Amen. When somebody loves you, there is a burden of not getting yourself a curse. Yeah. Anybody who has been good to you has been good to you. And you don't, you don't, you have to be careful of your 
handling of the person. When Yongicho died recently, he died this week, I realized so many things that he has done for me. You know, if it was, young, if it was not for Yongicho, I wouldn't have gone to South America, for instance. I never have gone there. Because when I was in the lift coming down from a board meeting, a man approached me in the lift and gave me his complimentary card. I said, I'm from this country and I, I need you to come to my country. Because he saw the association, just the association that I was associated with. Yeah. And through that, I went to the first time to South America. And after that, every year I was there. So, so many countries I've been to. I don't know anybody. How would I go there? Oh, yeah. One time I was invited to preach in Paris. A white man. A white man's church. The large church. When I got there, I said, where do you know me? He said, I don't know you. I saw you on a video, and Yonggi Cho was in the video. You were there, and Yonggi Cho was there. That's why I invited you. Yeah. This is the only reason. He said, I've never read any book you've written, and I've never listened to your preaching before. I just saw you on the stage. I said, I don't know what, what you were doing. I said, he asked me, are you an interpreter? I said, I'm not an interpreter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Associate, just being associated with him. And since he died, so many people have been sending me condolences. It's as if my biological father has died. Yeah. But that's how it is with spiritual things. So, and so many things which your biological, whatever you have, does not do. You'll be surprised how much comes to you through God and through the church and through ministry. So, you have a burden of reciprocation and a burden not to get yourself a curse for, because you see, one of the things, some of the greatest things that are given to us, we don't know that they are great things. We don't know that they are great things. as, as when, they, when they pass and they go, then you realize that oh, it was a great thing. It was a great thing. It was a great thing. It was really a great thing. That's how it is. So, many of the great things that we enjoy, they are like water. When it's turned off, then you see, oh wow, it wasn't a bad thing at all. It was something great. Those who used to come to Mampong for the services realized, oh, it was a nice time. It was a great time. So that's how it is. You know, the burden of love is a burden. It's a real burden. Now, there are other reasons why love is a burden. And because of some of the strong things that the scripture teaches about love. Turn with me to Songs of Solomon, chapter 8. Are you ready to be in Songs of Solomon? 
Songs of Solomon, chapter number eight. Beautiful. Now, set me as a seal upon thine heart. Songs of Solomon, chapter eight and verse six. Set me as a seal upon thine heart. For love is as strong as death. And jealousy is cruel as the grave. The grave of love and the grave of affection is jealousy. When you are with a jealous person, because jealousy is born out of fear. Jealousy is the grave, is the cemetery of love. Because jealousy leads to suspicion and uh, manipulation and accusations and uh, it destroys love, affection, desire, interest. Girls um, understand jealousy. Boys too, but girls understand. No, as for our church, we don't say, you too, what about men? You know, if you have that feeling, you should join another church. Honestly, don't come and listen to me preaching. I'm just saying this, by the way, please. Join another church. Tell your neighbor, the man is sucking him, so hear it well. Huh? <laughs> but girls understand what I'm talking about, jealousy. Uh-huh, I'm not hearing from the girls. Yeah. And it's a sense of you sense a need to rise and to protect, you see, what you own and what you, what you feel that you have. So then it becomes more of ownership rather than love, do you see? And the Bible says that in Songs of Solomon, it says that it is like the grave. So it is the death of happiness, the death of enjoyment, the death of a good flow. You just, have, you just have to start and say, I suspect you of this. Why are you doing this? Why are you talking to this person? Why are you relating to this? Why did I check your phone? Why are you doing this? You are finishing your relationship. You are finishing it. it look, at, the Bible says that it is like the grave. You are taking it to the grave. You are scanning, checking, and you suspect that he likes another person, it would be the best thing for you never to get near that person or marry the person ever in your life. Because you are going to be unhappy. It's not that the person will because when you capture the person in your jealousy net, do you see? It's not going to be a happy lion. Lions want to run around, cheaters, they want to run around. You have captured the person in your jealousy net. Your jealousy jail. JJ. (laughs) And the person is bound to you. 
cannot do this, cannot do that, cannot speak to, why are you talking to this person? What about this person? Why did you smile at this person? Why you are happy in the church? Why are you doing this or that? Why did you dance in front here? Why, did the, why does she also come to dance here? And you're also dancing behind her. It's a sign of something. Ah. What are all these? It will be better that you end that relationship because the relationship is not going anywhere. And if you start that in your relationship, then forget about it. Because I can't imagine the first three years of your marriage, then the next three, and then when you get to 10 years, wow, by the time you are 12 years, that would be then 15, Charlie. Then you see that 20 years you've been sentenced to life. Imprisonment. Jealousy is the grave. Now, love is a burden because these, these things are horrible things. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. I'm taking you through that. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, in the, in the American Bible always. Love is patient. Love is kind. Number three, it's not jealous. Does not Love does not, is not jealous, does not put relationships into the grave. If I love you and you are concerned about that, why don't you focus on between me and you? What does I and that other person have to do with me and you? Why is it that when we come to God and God says he loves us and he's listening to our prayers here and there's another church in Teshi and he's listening to their prayers there, does it, do you, look, do you have to try to turn off the electricity at Teshi so that God can hear you from here? No, it doesn't affect you. The, the Teshi people should be there and they should have light. Bombing them doesn't make yours go better. You're also being heard. No person can have only one relationship or one friendship. You become sweaty. If you hold somebody's hand for a long time, you see that your hand is sweating. Has it not happened to you before? Even though you laugh, you see that it's sweating. It can be like a blanket. When you put it on, you feel hot. When you take it off, you feel cold. So love is a burden because love is patient and then kind. Have patience with me, I will pay the all. And then kind. But now he's saying that love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. So jealousy and envy, people try to separate them and say what the difference is, but it's basically the same thing. It's a feeling of discontentment or unhappiness at someone else's success or progress or advancement or achievement. It's not that even you want to be the person, but you are not happy that that person is praised. Look, (laughs) when jealousy is working, even to commend somebody, you dare not. You dare say, oh, 
I really, I was really like this thing. Or oh, that person is looking nice. You dare not. And, but some of people also, you, you don't just tell a lady, you're looking nice. They have all kinds of things in it. You are looking nice is the first step towards something. Yes. It's not that you are just admiring nature. Why don't you say that the lions are looking nice? You don't see the butterflies are looking nice. You only see certain things are looking nice. <laughs> so, love is not jealous. And it is very important to understand that there is a burden on us because if you do not walk in love, you put your relationships into the grave. Yes. You know, when you sense that somebody has a, a negative feeling towards you, you don't even want to be in a group with that person. Because the person, you realize that this person even... Sometimes you are on WhatsApp groups and you realize that people comment about things. They'll say, oh, wow, congratulations. Then maybe when yours comes up, there's silence. Have you seen that before? Has it happened to you before? You sort of get a negative feeling that it's like there's no positive vibration towards your church or towards what you are doing or anything about you. That feeling alone makes you feel like leaving the group. True or not true? (laughs) Because we all want to be with people who like us. People who are happy about our small progress. The small advancement in your life. Somebody is cheering you on and somebody is happy about it. But where you are in the presence of people who are no comment. I have no comment about your whatever. I hear you've been appointed to the United Nations Development of of Animals. I I don't have any comment. Wow, okay. I hear you got a PhD in science, moons and stars. Wow, beautiful. There's no comment. Others will be saying congratulations. Oh wow, this and that and that. So, jealousy is not love. You know, and where you are in a church and you love your pastor, you will be happy for good things for your pastor. Not looking on and thinking, what is this? When the woman came to break the alabaster box on Jesus' feet, it was Judas who was not happy about it. He said, what is this waste? It is when you don't love somebody that you think they are wasting. If somebody is sick and they are spending money to help the person to get well, when you want the person to die, you say, oh, you are wasting money. Let let him die. But the person who loves the person will will try to do whatever they can possibly do to save the person's life. Yeah. So you, need, you, you never think of something is a waste 
If you love your wife, you never think it's a, it's a waste. If what she likes are shoes, it's a shoe that you like. Oh, I'll even open a shop so that I sell shoes. Then every day you come here free. If is that what it is? Is that all I just need to know? What it is that you like? It can never be a waste if that is what you once you love somebody, nothing is a waste for the person. I'm telling you, nothing is a waste. It is when you don't love somebody that you can make a comment and say that they are wasting money on Jesus. Yes, it's what is this waste? To what purpose is this waste? That is why. People even sowing seeds and giving offerings is a revelation of their love for you because love is embedded in giving. God so loved the world that he gave. Yes. That is why to live in the house with a man whom you need something in the house, he will calculate it, how much this, this, that, bring the change and even in the end he will say no, he will buy it himself and bring it to the house, he will buy it himself because every time he gives you money it becomes a long meeting a long discussion there should be no discussion in your house about money in the name of Jesus Christ receive that grace that even if you argue at least not about money if you all don't have money, you all have to understand that. Charlie, we all don't have anything. That, that is it. But it's not that I have and then we are arguing about money that is given to your mother or my mother or your father and my father. It has become a meeting. Tell your nearest neighbor, we will argue, but not about money. For money, they will have put it in the grave. There is no argument about money. When there is argument and discussion about money, the, the relationship is not sweet. It's true. It's true. It's not about being rich. It's about that. Something is a waste. As far as you are concerned, it's a waste. No. What is a waste? When it comes to you, because I love you, it will never be a waste. Nothing will be too much. Jealousy, not being happy about somebody's advancement is a bad sign. Yeah. When I was in medical school, my mother or father gave me an, an old car. The number was AA5469. Yes. It was an old Renault. I was using it. I just, it just manages to move. <laughs> One day I was coming from school and I was working with some of my mates. And as we approached the hostel, my car was parked. It was one of the only cars. In those days, students don't have cars. But I had this car, old car. And then my mate said, ah! As for this car, you will always be repairing it. 
I said, ah. What comment is that? And I didn't feel a good feeling that he was happy about my car. Oh, this car, you always be repairing. And it's true, I was always repairing it, but I don't expect you to say it. <laughs> At least keep it in your head and pray for me. What are all these comments? Are you listening to me? So love is not jealous. And that is a burden for you not to be jealous. Anybody who gets a beloved, there's a burden on you. So a brother has come to propose to you. Hi, baby. I love you, baby. I'll take you to Singapore, baby. I'll take you home with me, baby. Immediately, you, the sister, there's a burden on you not to be jealous. Because as soon as he goes out of your presence and he's talking to who else are you talking to? Yeah, there's a burden on you not to be jealous. Because you spoil the friendship. As soon as you start, you spoil the happiness. Yeah. What about this person? That person? What and you don't, John Wesley told his wife, he said, allow me to be governed by God and by my conscience. Let me be controlled by God and by my conscience. Don't stand and be saying, don't talk to this. Why this? What this? There are people who take phones and check like they are checking I mean to see. They, have, they are monitoring where you are. And of course, people need to be monitored, but I tell you, if that is what you are doing, it's fault. But I, what I don't understand is, why do you force to marry somebody you don't trust? Because the person is nice. Ah, the person looks nice. So you are going to spend your whole life fighting to own the person? Because the person likes someone else. There's nothing you can't you can control people's liking. Look, one of the proofs that there is God is these things that we have. Even if you say that the earth was created by an explosion of bingo, cosmic bingo chips. <laughs> huh? Yeah, cosmic chips, bingo chips coming together. Huh? <laughs> what about... What about love? How, how is that also created? Yeah. The love, fear, the jealousies, and the emotions, the joy. How, how is that one also made? How do you make that? Is it also with cosmic bingo chips coming together in a big explosion? Because it's not material. It's not physical substance. So how is that one also created? Yeah. If you can show me how to create a feeling of love when somebody desires someone how do you create it how do you create it how do you create desire will the cosmic bingo chips also join together in the same way <laughs> and create the feelings where where you like someone or you love you love god or you feel happy happiness is it going to come from a joining together of bingo chips cosmic supersonic chips and atoms. No. God is real. These are fantastic things. You cannot force somebody to like you. And you cannot force him to continue liking you. Mm, if at all, you should 
work on yourself so that it keeps coming back to you. But you can't rise up and force love. It's, it's a wild thing that exists that God has made. If somebody ever likes you or chooses you, it's a wild thing. Many times I tell sisters, I say, sister, the fact that this man likes you or chooses you, something miraculous is working. It's not easy to be liked. Not easy to be liked. Because your type, there are many who look like you. Anyway, Songs of Solomon chapter 8. I think I'll stay in the location. Songs of Solomon chapter 8 and verse 6. One of the reasons why love is a burden is because love is, is strong. You see, people think that when you love someone, if I love you, then I'm weak. Yeah, like if I love you, I'm weak. Like when they, sometimes they feel that if somebody is loving, he is weak. That's why he's loving. Yeah. That love is actually a weakness that people have. Do you see? Love is for the weak. And it's actually a weak thing to love someone. Which is like, if you forgive, you are weak. If you are kind, you are weak. Or if you are patient, you are weak. You are not strong. But the Bible says love is a strong. Love is very strong. See, death is something that like, if it holds a person, it's not likely to leave it. I just read uh, on the internet, somebody 45 minutes declared dead and he was resuscitated. He was resuscitated. Yeah, 45 minutes. I, 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 can't, I couldn't even believe it. In the, in the ER in America. Yeah. But love, when it holds you, not likely to leave you. Hold on. Like even if they say it's a coma, it's this, it's this, it's this. There's a lot of hope. But when they say death, it's declared dead, then all the doctors go away. Because they know that the thing that has come, they don't like it to leave. It's a very strong diagnosis to make. It's, it's a diagnosis that a doctor has to make. It's a doctor who has to declare or diagnose that somebody is dead. You can't, you can't just say somebody is dead. A doctor has to say so. It's a medical diagnosis. Once that diagnosis is made that this is what there is, very difficult for it to go away. It doesn't just go. That's how love is. It's a very strong thing. It doesn't just go. It actually makes you strong. For God himself to be loved, God is strong. Because love is strong. Read it. Love is as strong, or that means love is a strong thing. A person with love is a strong man, very strong. A lady with love, a lady who is loving is a strong person. I didn't say a lady who is beautiful. I said a lady who has love. Beauty is vain, but love is strong. Yeah, beauty, no. Beauty, no. Love, yes. Strong. It's a strong woman. You're going places, girl, if you have love. And love 
It's not what you think. Say, I love you. I love you. Oh, love is not sex. If you say sex is strong, say love is strong. It didn't say sex is strong. Love is strong. <laughs> there are different things. It makes you very strong if you have love. What is love? Patient, kind. You are a strong, solid person. It's like you are, you are not even likely to divorce. The way you are solid, like patient, kind, not jealous, not arrogant. You are not likely to, you are not likely to break up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of things, you have patience for a lot of Like, you, you have patience. You have patience. I don't mean sex. Sex, there are, there are more people. You have more people for sex. Love. If a person has love, the person is a strong, solid person because the Bible says love is strong. It's a very strong thing to have. It makes you strong, girl. If you, you can have love, you will be more favored and more chosen than a girl who has beauty. Oh yeah, because experienced people, even the first love, the, 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 the young boys in the church, these days, they are looking for love, not beauty. Brothers, is it not true? Yeah. The current brothers that have come, they are looking for love, not beauty. Beauty is vain. That means the more beauty, the more vain. There's an equation right there. So, I am encouraging you with this burden. The burden to be strong. Love is strong. To be stronger than you are. Full of patience. Kindness. You are a strong person. You see, the lady that John Wesley married, she was, a, she was a, a nurse to him. She was a nurse. She was a widow, but she was a nurse. So she nursed him when he was sick. And he said, oh, the way it is, the love that I felt, do you see, as this person was nursing me, yes, So you may, you may, you, you may, and she, she was a married woman with children and all that. John Wesley never had a child. He married this lady because she exuded strong, something strong that affected him. That's why sometimes you people want to say, ah, this person has been married already. Why is the person being married again? We who are here have never had a chance to go for one round. You get it? We are here. This person is going for second round. Something strong is working. Yeah. So when I see brides 
bridegrooms, and so on. I'm wondering how strong are these people? How strong are they? Yeah. How strong are they? Love is strong. It's a strong thing. So, now, the next and the last, um, whatever, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 4 to 7, I told you, is the key description of love. And that's it. You get it, 4 to 7. And I pray you are memorizing it. Are you memorizing it? Let's all say together from the American Bible, love is patient, love is kind. It's not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Yes. Everyone getting married must memorize this as part of the, if you cannot quote it, you cannot marry. It's a new condition. So Joel and uh, whatever those people get in mind, you have to quote it, otherwise your wedding is, is cancelled. And Madame X is going to make you quote it on stage. You've been singing song, that one is easy. Now you'll be making quotations. Let me see. Now, people are asking for those who are married. What about those who are married? Love is patient, is kind, is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. So it's not proud and does not act unbecomingly. Now, my, this short part as I'm coming to this last, this end, is ugliness. I just want to talk about a bit about ugliness. Yeah. Spiritual ugliness and relationship ugliness. All right? Now, all your ugliness is going to come about from this particular part. Love, it does not brag and is not arrogant. And you can see immediately after, it says, does not act unbecomingly. You, you don't become ugly or horrible. You see? Now, ugliness is the arrogance and the pride which develops in a human being who is supposed to be loving, walking in love. Why is it that a man and a woman can marry, they cannot even keep themselves from each other when they are approaching marriage. They cannot even control themselves. Then after they are married, do you see, after some time, 
you cannot get the man to be excited or the woman to be excited. But the man's excitement is more evident. So, how, can, how is it? What is it that happens? And it is that these things seep in and you become ugly. So, the beauty becomes ugly. And what is it that makes a person ugly? Lucifer's, the, the word Lucifer means a shining one. Beautiful one. How did Lucifer change? And how did he become ugly? He became ugly by becoming proud and exalting himself and saying that he was going to ascend into the throne of God. That is how ugliness comes about. Amen. In Isaiah 14 and verse 13, we see the ugliness. It says, For thou said in thine heart, I will ascend. So I will go higher. I'm showing you how ugliness came upon Lucifer because he said in his heart, I will ascend. I will exalt. So when you become big in your own eyes and you become proud, then ugliness develops. You become ugly. That is why Lucifer's name was changed from Lucifer to Satan, which means the opposer, the devil. Ugliness falls upon you when you are proud. He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Yet thou shalt be brought down. Yes. 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 Verse 19. Thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch. You turn into an abominable branch when you become ugly with pride. So, tell your neighbor sitting by you, don't become ugly. Don't become ugly. Yeah. Pride is ugliness. Hmm? Now, Ezekiel chapter 20 Wow. Thou, verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub. You see, the best way to understand love is to even imagine a boy and a girl anointed with perfumes, nice smelling creams, being worked on with anointings. Okay, verse 15. Thou was perfect in thy ways. From the day that thou was created, you were perfect. Somebody looked at a lady, a sister, and asked her, were you created 
Or were you crafted? Wow. Verse 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. So Satan, Lucifer was beautiful. It was beautiful. And thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I'm talking about how love, the absence of love and the failure to ask first to recognize that love has a lot to do with humility. If a person is loving, the person is humble. And love is not arrogant and love does not boast. And love is not puffed up. As soon as you become puffed up, your beauty goes and you become ugly. Just as Satan became ugly. Today, we have all the pictures of Satan, of some weird creature thrown to the ground and become, instead of something shining, his name even has changed. And when you read the book, The Fall of Lucifer, and so on, you see that when he fell from, from heaven, he turned into some dark, strange creature. Because that's what happens. You turn into something dark and horrible. When you become proud, and that's when you move away from love. And you just change. You just change before very eyes. That's why when a man and a woman, eh, the wife is found dead, the first suspect, without question, is always the husband. And if the husband is found dead, the first accused is the wife. And you ask yourself, but these are two who really love each other. How can it be that the first accused, it should have been the last accused, or the last thought of suspect, but the first to be thought of is the one who, who used to say, I love you, you are perfect, you are beautiful, you are shapely, you are glorious, you are everything I've imagined, you are anointed. But when pride comes in, your beauty changes, you change. And even though you may have characteristics of beauty, you become ugly to the person. And there's no desire or no interest. So if somebody says, I love you, you've got a burden to remain humble towards the person who loves you all your life. You've got a big burden to remain humble. If I choose you to work with me, you've got a burden to remain humble in relation to me. Because you are working with me or for me. And if I show you love, you have a burden to remain humble. All my bishops have a burden to remain humble towards me. People that are appointed as pastors, ordained to the ministry, consecrated as bishops, give opportunities, I've loved them. They have a burden of love, a burden of reciprocation, a burden not to become boastful or to become arrogant. You have that burden because somebody has loved you before. It's the same with my, my biological father. I have a burden never to become some way towards the person who brought me up or my mother who looked after me and cared for me and provided for me and made me start life at a certain level. I have a burden. You have a burden towards anybody who has loved you to love the person and the way to love I'm telling you the Bible says love is not arrogant and does not boast 
You can't become puffed up towards somebody who has loved you and whom you claim you are loving. You can't allow yourself to become big. If you allow yourself to become big, you destroy yourself. You become ugly towards the person. A pastor who becomes so big to me that he tells me that I don't need you and you don't need me, he's become big. A pastor who can tell me that, oh, I, I call you for a meeting, he says, I will not come. You know, it's like the person has become big. So you become ugly. But you see, there is a burden on you once you've been loved, eh, never to allow yourself to become big and puffed up in relation to the person who loves you or in relation to the person who you claim you are loving. Otherwise, you turn into an ugly duckling. Not even an ugly duckling, because a duckling will become beautiful. An ugly dragon. All you young guys here who've been dancing happy in the church for years. I never knew dancing. You know, the music that you people dance with. No, I'll tell you. You'll be surprised at my age. I've never heard such music before till I came to this church. But when I came and I saw that that is a music that they know how to dance with. No problem. Dance with it. And then we do it. I have given you an opportunity to dance, to sing, to perform, to be around, to stand on the stage, to do things. You owe to the person who has loved you eh, to love the person back. And the way you love back, you understand, is never allow the ugliness of bigness and pride to come into you or upon you all your life. It's a burden. Sit down. I've not finished. Yeah. Are you there? You know, when you forget, do you see, the Bible says that you have forgotten. All right? That you were appointed. All right? It says, I have set this soul. God is saying that you are saying that you are going to be whatever. You are big. You are going to become big. Do whatever. But he said, you forgot that I have set thee so. I made you what you are. Thou art the anointed cherub. I have set thee so. Underline that if you can underline. I made you. I set you there. You can never be big towards your mother. Somebody saw me, my mother, my mother called me, I said, yes, mommy. She said, hey, I'm surprised. Yes, mommy. My, I can never be big to, towards my mother. My mother gave birth to me. You cannot be big in relation to your mother, to your father, to your pastor, to somebody that has prayed for you, has done something for you. Don't be so little-minded that you cannot see the invisible things that are done for you by a parent 
or by an authority figure. You have a burden of love when you have been loved. You have a burden. That's why Paul said, I do not even want to tell you how you owe even your own life to me besides. Ugliness comes on Satan as he becomes big. And he was cast down. said, I will cast you down to the ground. And his brightness is taken away. And his name is changed. And your name will also be changed. Your name will be changed to Absalom. Your name will be changed to Judas. You'll be given an ugly name. You'll be called an orangu. You'll be given a name which reminds everybody of your pride that changed you. Whether it's pastor and congregation, whether it's father, mother, and child, whether it's husband and wife, every relationship that loses the love gains ugliness. And remember, ugliness is pride. That's why I said that love does not boast, it's not arrogant, and does not behave unbecoming. Like your behavior is not inappropriate. Your behavior is not inappropriate. Especially in relation to this person. It cannot be. It's not inappropriate. Ah. Small boy like you, look at how you stand and talk to your mother. Small girl like you, look at what you say behind your mother's back. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you speak about her? How dare you speak about him? Who I mean, who are you? You become big, you're commenting, you're making comments. You're commenting on my pastoral work. Have you been a pastor before? Have you, have you, have you pastored a church before? Have you founded a church before and done some of the things I've done? How come you have such comments to make? How come you are commenting and being a commentator? It reveals an inappropriate pride. And you have nothing to prove to show for your plenty talking. Oh, how marriages change. How marriages change. It starts with love and this love is the fourth one. Where is the thing? Put it on the board. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Then that is number Four, does not brag and is not arrogant. The pride things. You just have to take four steps and then everything is changing. Yeah. At first she was flowing or he was flowing. But let's talk more about the woman because you are subjected to and under. You are not equal. God doesn't create, doesn't treat wives or call them equals or co-equals. Are we allowed to believe in the human right Bible? Is it not a human right to believe in the Bible? Bigness. When you had a boyfriend from all those countries, you were ready when you were young. You are ready to jump around. Sometimes if somebody sees you, you wonder that, are you an acrobat or a gymnast? 
or an athletic are you doing athletics you are ready to do everything but then you marry someone and you are unwilling he said look I'm not a prostitute eh? you should hear some of the Christian wives I'm not a prostitute eh? I'm tired eh? I'm not this this and that eh? this 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 whatever eh? wow no one that has a breeding ground for adultery that's a breeding ground for adultery why do you complain about adultery when you are all these things? How does it come about? Things don't come in a vacuum. Yeah. Nobody is justifying adultery. But I'm saying that things don't just arise. Pride comes into relationship. Bigness. Too big to just even flow. You are not happy and don't flow. Why do you think God will bring birth new churches with small boys and girls? Because sometimes the big ones are too stiff to flow. We don't flow with things. We are not happy with things. Things are funny and things, you know, you don't want this, you don't want that, whatever. God says, hey, you know what? I've got some small boys here. He says, my praise will be perfected in children. It's your ugliness. And it's interesting, eh? Some of the ugliest people are told, hey, you're looking nice today. Wow. I said, some of the ugliest people are told, wow, I like your dress. I like your hat. Oh, your shoes. Oh, you're looking... Meanwhile, you are very ugly. You are full of pride, stiffness, arrogance. Compare yourself with a young, flowing person. Yeah. It's either in the church, whether in marriage, whether in relationship between pastors and so on, it's the same thing. Ugliness develops. The ugliness is horrible. Now, in my little book here, in conclusion, it gives you seven characteristics of ugliness. Number one, no more forgiveness. That's the first sign of ugliness. Now, when a child, eh, you hurt offend a child, like this is children are playing, this is, there are six children playing. Eh? And then, uh, Someone falls down or he took my car. You see them. You sort it out. You say, give it, give his car back. You come back five minutes later, they'll be playing. As if they've never been offended before. True or not true? Children, he said, if you are humble like a child, you just forgive. But we who are grown up. You eh, I would never eh, eh, you eh. You eh God. Hey. There are people who are dead and we still bear them grudges. As they've died, you wish you could have had you would have been there to either see them die or help them die. That's the first 
ugliness. The picture of ugliness. Yeah. Number two. Ugliness. Don't, you can't sit down quietly and listen to instructions. Yes. A child will sit down and listen to instructions, but a big person. It, it will become an argument. Let me tell you what I'm saying. No, no, no. You are always saying, no, I'm also saying that. Let me, I'm explaining what I'm saying. You, but you never allow me to finish. To, allow me to learn. But if it's just a child, okay, sit down. I'm going to tell you what to do. Number one, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. A big person. Oh, whether your voice would even be heard. Arguments. When you stand outside their window, instead of hearing the sound of sexual delight as found in Sons of Solomon chapter 7 and verse 6, <laughs> you rather hear arguments, discussions without end. Table tennis. Everybody has a point. I give you a point. You also answer back. There are some people I tell you when you the answering back is their speciality. In the scripture, the Bible describes that answereth not again. Answering back. So your ugliness comes when no more. There is it's no more just so. Please uh, take the dog to uh, the vet and get a tetanus injection. <laughs> it's not like that, oh. I've told you I don't like dogs. Why don't you also take the dog? I don't, I, why? This and that. I don't have money for the dog. This and that. I don't like I'll be carrying dog around. Sorry. But a small, a young person said, take this dog here. Look for the vet. Listen, the person will be moving. Pride comes. There's a long meeting. That's why the longer the meetings to do with you reveals your pride and your ugliness. How long are meetings with you? You, you, you. How long are meetings? Cursed with all these long meetings. One person we have counseling. You know, one time, I thought it was only in the church. One time I was talking to a psychiatrist. She told me that when she was a young psychiatrist and first came to work in that hospital, she was there when a certain, either a woman or a man, came there. When she came, all the older psychiatrists said, oh, go to this new lady. She told me, she said, she sweated with the guy. She said, you can talk, because part of psychiatric training is psychotherapy or counseling. You just talk to the person and say, hey. She told me she talked to her. Then she realized later after several sessions that everyone knows the man or the woman. I don't know what. And they knew oh, this case there. The guy doesn't see. So they gave him to her. So she also, I think she transferred him to somebody new. Number three. Sign of ugliness. You've become ugly. Ask your neighbor, are you, are you becoming ugly? Today my sermon is on ugliness. Ugliness number three. You don't learn new things. Like you don't learn. Like how a child can learn a language. Grown up, you cannot learn. You will be here 
They will speak French to you. Every day you say, Pierre et Sedou. Pierre et Sedou. These are the only three words that you know. Pierre et Sedou. You don't know anything. But a child, you just teach the person something. Say this and the child is saying it. Number four. Copy. You don't copy things anymore. If you are doing, I will not do it. If you are doing, I will not do it. Proud pastors. Instead of doing what somebody is doing, which is working. No. He's doing it. I will not do it. Me, I like copying. If I see that you are doing something and it's working, you see that I'll be there to copy. That's all all that I did in Korea. I copied so many things. One day I took 50 people to Korea. And they told me, it seems that Dr. Yungi Cho has really copied a lot of things from you. I said, you don't know. I came to copy from here, but you, you know it's in Accra. So once you've come here, you think that he copied from me. I copied from him. Number five. Ugliness. Ugliness comes when you are conscious of money. Hmm? Money. Our children, do children know who is a rich man? Send your child to nursery school. She'll be happy with the poorest person, the richest person. They are all friends. In England, you see white and black children, they're flowing together. When they get to a certain age, all the black children go here and all the white children go here. But initially, you don't know the difference. You become conscious of certain things. Money. You have become... How many, if I'm dealing with you, and somebody, somebody wants to see me, does he have money? I'll ask, and I ask a question. Does he have money? The person who is coming, does he, is, he, is he holding dollars? It means I've become ugly. Something horrible has come into me. Because a child doesn't know whether someone has money or not. He completely, is completely oblivious of somebody's money. The wealth of someone. As soon as you relate with people as to how much money they have or what they can give you, or what they can give, or what they can do, ah, there's something horrible that has happened. A change has come. A change has come. I would not be here in the first love church if I was following money. The Kodesh people, do you know the money they have there? That's where there are members there with all sorts of things. That's the holy hill. We are just children here. We are attempting great things. Ask your neighbor, are you ugly? You become quiet. I don't, you're not happy with my preaching. You don't like my preaching, you see. Like I'm not preaching nice, nice preaching. And number seven, you become conscious of people's weaknesses. Yeah. 
or certain characteristics. You notice them. Hey! You like chicken, oh? Hey, he likes this. You like this. You like that. At first, you were so happy to provide the sex. But after you've had what you need and your children or whatever, it's like, hey, we are not resting in the household. This one marriage that we have is more than a labor camp. At first, you were flying with it. But now, the weakness of a man needs for sex has become a problem to you. You now notice such things. But at first, you were happy to receive it. Huh? You were collecting it. Now, it's a problem. Because you've grown in your eyes. And you see things in a certain way. You know, we Ghanaians, we don't know what we have. If you travel to other African countries, well, well, and you travel a bit, when you come to Ghana, you see that Ghana is America. Or America is Ghana. But those of us who are here, we don't see. That's not bad. I mean, compared to others. We see the weaknesses and the problems all the time. It's because of an attitude. Yeah. When you have a certain attitude, you admire. One day I went somewhere with my father. When we got to the, it was a shop in London. And he wanted to buy something. They said, we don't have. And he said, I want to see the manager. And I thought to myself, this man is coming to create another scene here. You see, stupidity and pride. And the man said, the manager is so I said, I need, he said, I need to see the manager. We were there for about one hour. He, the, the manager came. They took him to the top floor. In the end, what he wanted, it, it was there. Yes. And I was just quiet. I said, hey, I'll not criticize again or even have certain thoughts. When you are with a great person, just learn, just be learning. Instead of looking as a third party, you sit back and you say, here, here we go again. A shop that you should is go in and go out simply, it has become a meeting. <laughs> oh, yes. When pride develops in you, I'll be your pastor, you'll be seeing my faults. When I preach, you'll tell me I'm a choleric. When I preach, you tell me I'm a melancholic. When I preach, you tell me I'm a, a sanguine. When I preach, you tell me I'm phlegmatic. When I, every day you have some description about me or some analysis of me. Oh, yeah. Since when did you start analyzing me? It's because you've been around for too long. Go and start a church and do something so that we know whether you are sanguine or phlegmatic too. So we also see whether you are sanguine. Yes. Go and do some so that we will know what you are. You've been around so long now, you analyze me and you, you start to see my weaknesses. One day a lady came to me. A lady left our church. And I went to see her. I said, why have you left? She said, I will spoil your church. If I stay. My mouth. She said, I talk. She said, every church I go, I spoil the church. She was honest. She knew herself. Not anybody, everybody can uh, analyze themselves. I will spoil the church. I know myself. I said, oh, wow. Then it's okay. Don't come back. 
What a blessing. Now just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm just looking for ugliness. Are you ugly or are you beautiful? I just want to know. How many think you are still beautiful? Confidence has gone, isn't it? Yeah. I don't blame you. Because that's why we should pray for the spirit of power and the spirit of love. And the spirit of a sound mind. Love should come back. We used to sing a song. Let there be love shared amongst us. Let there be love in our hearts. And may this love The screen, man. Are you existing? Cause us, so Lord, to, to arise and give us a fresh is strong if you have love you are strong yeah. love you are strong once I sit with you and you analyze me love has left you and ugliness has taken over yes. if I sit with you to eat and all you can do after I've eaten with you is to say that I like chicken I realized I what I shouldn't have eaten when you were present. Somebody came to us. Why are you not? That's why I'm okay. Because I've had experiences. I sit down and because I feel free to eat chicken, the whole world is now chicken. A mouth like chicken. Do you know whether I eat frogs or not? husband serves your husband does something nice for you you receive it now hey opana it's now called opana in the household you change his name Your pastor, you call your pastor Numwe. That's the old man. Or you call him chairman. What are these words? What are all these? Huh? Ojam. You call your pastor Ojam. Senior man. You see, even the way you call the person, it reveals something. Yeah. It's like as you've been there, the love and admiration that you have gradually has changed, and now you have other words and say, the man is the old man is coming, or this is this. That you know, hey, you know how my doesn't whatever, you know this is all those things reveal a certain ugliness. 
Yeah. You know, there are some stories I could tell you, but because of children, you realize it's not good. Let's go through the seven components of ugliness. Number one is what? Not forgiving. Not forgiving anymore. Not forgiving. Not listening to instructions. Not sit quietly to just even listen. Don't learn anything new. Your husband wants to eat bad stew. Say, I don't know how to make it and I'll not make it. But before you marry, you are ready to make bad shito. <laughs> bad stew. But, I mean, <laughs> stir fried bat. And the next one, you don't learn new things. Your husband says he wants to eat fried rice. I mean, I don't know how to make fried rice. And I will never learn and I don't know. Your husband says, I want to eat bread. I want to eat this. No, 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 no. I'm not a, a chef. I'm not a this. I'm not a that. Or he wants to have sex in a new and a living way. <laughs> a new and a living way. <laughs> hey! It's like challenge. No, 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 no. Number four, you don't copy things anymore. You are conscious of money, number five. Number six, conscious of people's weaknesses. I said I was giving you seven. Oh, I thought I was giving you seven. I don't see you. I'll I'll keep one secret. Number seven, you are conscious of your living circumstances. Yeah. First, you said, I'll follow you to Colombia. I'll follow you to KJB. I'll follow you to the ends of the world. As long as I'm with you, everything is... It's only you I need. Where you are is paradise. Now you are complaining there's no air conditioner. You are complaining there's no this, there's no that, there's no whatever. You see, you started to complain. You see things differently. But when you were small in your own eyes, everything was okay. Yeah. So God is removing ugliness from you. Some of you have even despised your husband because he has not been able to get a nice house for you. Yes. You are living in whatever and you have complained. But at first it was, oh, when, when you are there, that place is called paradise. It's you, not the location. It's you that matters. Have you heard such words before? <laughs> My favorite place is where you are. My favorite place is what? Where you are. Home is what? You. You are home. If you are there, it's home. If you are there, it's home. Home is what? You. You are home. Wow. (laughs) Home is you. Beautiful. Ugliness will never be found in you from today in the name of Jesus. Stand to your feet.
All right. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, just pray with me right now, please. We are closing in a few minutes, but before we close, I have to pray for this one. If you are here this afternoon, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, please pray with me right now. No movement, no walking, please. Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. If you are here like that, wherever you are, I want to pray with you. Maybe somebody invited you to church, but you want to be born again. You want to give your heart to God. If you are here like that, lift up your right hand. Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. God bless you. Lift it up high. I see your hand far over there, over here, everywhere. God bless you. Pastor, pray with me. I want to be born again, and I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ. If you, you are here like that, lift your right hand up high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. If you've lifted your hand, come to me here. Come to the front. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray with you. Come from wherever you are standing at the back. God bless you. Come. Keep coming. I want to pray with you. God bless you. Come all the way. Let me pray with you. your hands up like this say this prayer close your eyes say Jesus please forgive me for my sins I confess my sins to you please wash me with the blood of Jesus make me a new person from today I give my heart my life my everything to Jesus Christ please write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Follow this lady who says, follow me here. God bless you. Clap for them as they go. God bless you. Take your communion. Take your holy communion. And look at me. I'm going us to, I want us to pray about something right now. You know, take your holy communion. You, you can sit down if you, if you want to sit, but, and I'll let you stand up again. It's up to you. You can keep standing if you feel like standing. John chapter 6. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna and are dead. This is the bread. Everybody say, this is the bread. Which comes down from heaven. That a man may eat thereof and not die. Amen. This is the first anti-death drug. Anti-death drug in the world. 
that a man may eat this and not die. Wow. John chapter 6 and verse 50. That a man may eat and not die. You eat and not die until death. It's against death. This is the first known anti-death drug. It's not anti-coronavirus. It's the bread that comes from heaven. When you believe it and you receive it, you are receiving something that prevents death. Death itself. And I believe that as we... That's why some people even take Holy Communion every day. Yes. It's the anti-death drug for your life. So today, as we receive this Holy Communion, my prayer with you is that whatever smells of death or is coming in your direction in the form of death, eh, through this anti-death drug, the bread that comes down from heaven, death and every premature appointment with death is cancelled in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen from somebody? Lift up the bread. Father, we receive this anti-death medicine. Thank you for extending our life for many more years that we may serve you. Whatever is in us, developing in us, growing in us, happening to us, thank you that this drug, medicine, absorbs us and prevents death in every form that it comes. The body of Jesus Christ, the bread that came down from heaven, that every man may eat and not die. The body of Jesus Christ. When I see the blood, oh, 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 I will pass over you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Oh, yeah. Now, the Bible says when sin is finished, it brings forth death. But the blood of Jesus wipes away your sins. Every ugliness found in you and every lovelessness found in you is cleared off by this blood. May your sins be forgiven. May your mistakes be washed away. May your iniquities not be remembered before God. May your days be extended by over 12 years. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, receive life, receive healing, receive the prevention of death in your life. The blood of Jesus Christ. Lift your hands for your blessing. Now, Receive healing in your body right now. Any life-threatening condition in you, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Any serious disease with a serious diagnosis and a big name, 
I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Every threat of death or impending death in your life, I reject it in the name of Jesus. I command you to be healthy and strong. I command you to be alive and well. May your eyesight improve and become better. May your hearing become better. May your blood be purer. May your kidneys work better. May your liver and your stomach and every organ in you be healthy and alive. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak to your organs, your bones, your blood, your tissues. I say, be well, be healed, be strong. The body of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ saves you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke weakness I rebuke sickness and I rebuke death go now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth now lift your hands whatever represents a canker worm whatever represents a locust whatever represents a hidden snake in your life that swallows Arana Sadora, your precious goods. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke it now. According to the word of the Lord, let the devourer be rebuked in the name of Jesus. Ah, come out of poverty now. Come out of difficulty now. I command good news to come to you by your phone. Lift your phone up, everybody. Lift your phone. Makatara Sandola Mashabaraka. I command good news to appear in your phone. Uh, within this week, receive good news in the name of Jesus. I decree good news from afar in the name of Jesus. Everybody who doesn't know an important person, may the Lord himself remember you and help you by himself and by his own hand. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he adds no sorrow. May God make you rich this week in the name of Jesus. May God make you rich this week in the name of Jesus. May God bless you this week in the name of Jesus. And may God make you rich for the third time this week in the name of Jesus Christ. It is done. It is done. It is done. Now lift your hand. Whatever enemy threatens your life threatens your future threatens your progress and your advancement by the name of Jesus and in the name of Jesus I rebuke any stubborn enemy in your way every siege is broken today in the name of Jesus let me hear your loudest amen the dragon which mocks you I curse it today in the name of Jesus let me hear your loudest amen. Let me hear your loudest amen. The mockers of your life, the scorners of your life are cast to burn down with fire in the name of Jesus. Say amen. A loud amen. A louder amen. Anyone who sets fire to your life, May a fire be set in his life. In the name of Jesus. Anyone who rolls a stone 
against you may a stone also be rolled against it in the name of Jesus according to the word of the Lord let it come to pass I see something like a mocker someone scorning and mocking you narato sakabarambarana mockers are rebuked with a concrete on their head let all mockers and scorners be put to shame this week in the name of Jesus now lift your hand I see a fast wind bringing a good deliverance speedily receive a speedy deliverance and assistance from heaven in the name of Jesus Lord let your angels descend from heaven speedily and remember your little ones your nobodies Lord we have only you to look up to remember and help us thank you father for your great blessing may the Lord bless you may the Lord give you peace say amen the Lord give you peace the Lord give you peace the Lord fight for you the Lord fight against those that fight against you the Lord contend against those that contend against you in the name of Jesus and the Lord bless you in Jesus name may God smile at you this week and be happy with you this week in Jesus name I pray amen give the Lord a shout a clap You may be seated. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.